Fish Schmier is a seasoned entrepreneur and fintech professional. He's the director of Enigmatic, Enig, Enigmatic Smile and the founder and CEO of Vow. He's working to create cutting edge solutions to solve complex processes. Welcome, Bish. Oh, hello. Yes, I hope that is the case. <laughs> nice to be here, George. Hi to everyone who's listening. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Oh, that's a good, good, uh, good uh, getting right there in at the jugular. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> why do you do what you do? So um, why do I do what I do? So from my perspective, when we look at the question, why, um, most of the time I hear people focusing on solving the material equation. Like, how do I get rich? How do I? Um, how do I make my life better from that perspective? Because everyone thinks that from that perspective, everything gets better. Um, and it's not necessarily the case. You know, you go, you, if you just go and give, I, I know actually a guy who um, who won the lottery and uh, who won the lottery in a very, very big way in Europe. And um, I'm not sure how that level of win impacts on someone. I mean, I guess time will tell. But uh, I don't think money just is the solution to everything that I could be aiming for. And it's not a goal in and of itself. So the why that I have um, could be on many levels. But for me, for about 25 years now, I've only had one focus in terms of why. And that is this idea that the money that is in the world, the actual money that's in the world, um, can be issued more fairly. And um, everything I do, every angle that I work, every business that I build um, has been leading to a point where I could align my why with the reality I live every every single day. Um, and I feel I'm at that point. I'm excited about being at that point. But that is my why and that is my point. When did you figure that out? When I was 17, actually, sitting amongst some lemon trees in, in, a, in a small village in um, near Amman in Jordan, um, after I'd just read a whole bunch of books, because obviously there was nothing much else to do back then, um, and I figured out that, 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 the fun that a lot of the problems in the world on a macro and on a micro scale uh, seemed to me to arise from an inequality and a socially unjust money issuance function which has been devolved to um, uh, a centralized power within every uh, every country. And I thought that um, this function of issuance of money means that you're doing a podcast today and, and every, all of your listeners are presumably going to work doing something um, where they try and add value to the world or their customers in, in their own way. Um, but because they're forced to get money to survive, um, they they are forced within a structure of thinking and, and doing uh, to behave and sometimes make uh, the wrong choices, maybe, um, because, because of a lack of money um, or because of the incentive of potentially more money. And uh, when I looked at that and I saw on the side of that another organization in every country which has the ability to just create money on the money magic printing press out of nothing – um, I just thought that's crazy. I mean, in, in your country, $4 trillion has just been produced out of thin air. $4 trillion has just been produced. Um, and in the biggest way possible, that's just a theft of $4 trillion of all of your listeners and everyone else's in America's money. Um, 
because somebody else, because the American people have granted the right to uh, a centralized authority to create that money. And I don't think anyone does things for an evil reason, but I think we've passed the point now where that function of currency um, or that issuance of currency can be entrusted to a single uh, a single central party in each country, um, because I think at the end of the day, that's where all corruption uh, comes from. And uh, why why would any of us pay taxes, for example, uh, and work all of our lives to pay 30%, 40% of our money to support a country when the country can just print $40 trillion? Seems, seems, seems strange to me. I don't know about you. How do you feel about that? Yeah, strange is a good term for it. <clears throat> I am I am against <laughs> I am against what uh what the uh what the treasury just did. So here in the states. So I you're not, appreciate you're not, Yeah, you're not allowed to really say much on this subject, are we? Because it's like one of those topics which we all stay away from. Um and uh I think that's uh not right when you can see what happened in Hawaii. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the news on, on my side and, and because I just said to you, we were going there just before the, the, the call. You can see what's happening in Hawaii. You can also see what's happening in Ukraine. Um, surely, a, a, you know, although there's all kinds of problems in the world, surely a government and the people of the country should be looking after its own territory as hard as possible, as quick as possible to solve that rather than thinking about solving more geopolitical issues all, all over the place. Look after the look after the people, and if money's being printed where it just vaporizes and disappears in different directions, it's not actually serving the purpose of the community it's meant to serve. Well, I appreciate that. So, so you've been working on this problem since you're 17 years old, um, or at least thinking about it, and now working on it professionally for 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 a good number of years. You talked about how you're working to or you feel like money should be issued more fairly, what does that mean? So the first and primary answer to that is that it can't be granted to a central party to issue currency. Because whoever that, if, I mean, if you had the right to print all the money in America, I'm sure you'd be printing $4 trillion as well. Why not? You know, let's have some speedboat some. <laughs> Why not let's interfere with uh other countries everywhere. Why not? Because it's natural, isn't it? If you've got the ability to do stuff, um, then you may as well try and do it. Um, and so giving any particular person, no matter how holy they are, the ability to uh, to issue, the, to, to control this function, I think becomes a problem. Um, and, uh, and so, of course, you know, who am I to try and conquer such a problem? I can't conquer a problem on that level. But we can do experiments and we can relate it to other layers of uh, of uh, business and life. Um, and that's kind of like what, what we've been doing. When I, when I was 17, I understood the problem. I didn't know the solution. Um, and uh, over time, as this uh, as as my experience has moved on and the world's moved on and internet's moved on and transparency's moved on and all that kind of stuff, suddenly you get to this point where you think, okay, well, let's solve some Let's solve some uh, some problems in a, in a kind of really practical way. So what we do, bringing it down to reality, is we we focus on the reward space, um, uh, which is obviously a very big um, a, a very big space in the world, and try and make it try and move the issuance of rewards into a decentralized manner. Um, and of course, maybe just maybe, as that process develops, it can trigger. Um, it can trigger understandings of how this might look in a wider, larger global context over time. So the reward space, give me an example. 
So um, let's say you're in a rewards program. I mean, I think everyone in America is part of like 11. So I don't know which um, which uh, reward programs you're personally part of, but it might be a bank. It might be a, a, just a, a, a reward thing like a Groupon, or it might be a, a, a website where you can go to and save money on certain businesses, on certain purchases. That, that, reward, that reward space as a whole globally, um, it, it turns out that $42 trillion is spent every year digitally with bank cards or mobile wallets or, or online or whatever, 42 trillion, which gives you an idea of what that 4 trillion is. Yeah. But um, 42 trillion in total is spent globally uh, at retail. And out of that 42 trillion, 17% of it is incentivized. So that means that 17% is of of that 42 trillion is either used as a discount or a coupon or a promotion of some kind with a very definite aim from businesses around the world to be able to get customers to come in and buy from them buy from them more often you know or or, or whatever um so that's the reward space in a global context and in america obviously it it, it covers everything from gift cards to to all kinds of different mechanics for rewarding you for a purchase or for some form of behavior that you have um that, that that's the reward space as a, as a as a context so to <clears throat> to interact with money or to create a situation where it's being distributed more fairly the reward space there's an opportunity to meet that end how yeah you like this i've just thought about it right now so what is the lifeblood of any economy it's the currency within that economy right um, and so what what we want to do is play with the lifeblood within the economy um, and allow that lifeblood to be more fair, fairly issued. And if it's a, if if we use this expression of lifeblood as something that gives life and makes something either healthy or unhealthy, we can see that the, the currency itself within any level of uh, structure makes a difference. In terms of the reward space, at the moment, you have each separate individual business trying their best to get people in the door. And uh, I don't know if it's the same in Arizona uh, where you're sitting, but in the UK, I have witnessed in the last two years, probably 10 massive retail chains that we know and love and grew up with all just disappear off the high streets. And there's more and more of them disappearing every day. Tons of local businesses disappearing. Uh, just, just not the same volume of people going into the town centers or, or going in to do things for whatever crazy reasons that we've all been through over the last three years. But the point is, you know, everybody needs to get more money and there's less and less money in these local communities, in these local areas. Um, so, you know, if there's not enough money, how do they survive? I don't know, maybe you've noticed your electricity bills going up, your gas bills going up, everything just rising. So if if the average person has less and less and less disposable money, they can't spend the money, which keeps the businesses alive. And we know that most of the money just gets sucked back up to the to the banking systems and, and 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 right up to the top of the tree. So it leaves the communities becoming more and more naked. Um, and uh, and this nakedness in the communities or, or the nakedness in the town centers and this problem is not just, an, it wouldn't be just an advantage for you and me to solve the little guys, but it's also a very important problem for the big guys to solve because they want to go out and have dinner too. And if there's a problem having dinner or going out and doing anything, it's a big problem. How do we fix the economics of um, letting the common man enjoy himself and, 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 and keep going without a solution to the money? 
And so what happens is um, that people come up with ideas like universal basic income, airdropping it on people, or, you know, we need to find a way to give people more medical help, or, you know, we just keep having to create an ability to help people, which ends up taxing a, a whole load of other people, which ends up being in a situation where people start getting unsettled and unfair. And, you know, it, it, it becomes like a big political um, sort of question. So in terms of the very simple process of a business giving you a $10 discount voucher, they just created money, right? So if, if, if Pizza Hut gave you a $10 discount voucher, um, that $10 didn't cost Pizza Hut $10. They can go and put that $10 and print it in 10,000 newspapers. And it doesn't cost Pizza Hut millions and millions of dollars to print out discount vouchers. They can just create that value. And the interesting reason why they can create that value is it's not backed by actual money because you can't go to Pizza Hut and say, can I have actual money for this discount voucher? It's not backed by gold or silver or you know foreign reserves or government bonds. It's just a discount voucher that's backed by your ability or the promise of Pizza Hut to accept back that $10 discount voucher as a discount against your next purchase. So if you can imagine um, the, the word vow or why we, we came up with this idea of vow is it's literally the vow of a business to accept back its own discount voucher. So the real question is, is if you could get a thousand businesses distributing their discount vouchers within a sort of globalized ledger of um, of issuances and acceptance back, you could create a, a, a type of currency supply or discount voucher currency supply that stays local because these discount vouchers can't go up the banking system to pay off a, a mortgage, but they can keep going locally round and round and round. And by virtue of all the businesses driving customers to them, issuing a reward to the customers in the form of a future spend digital discount voucher that is transferable, you can create a localized, um, you know, like a, a localized lifeblood moving around, which then helps the local people, the local communities, the local police forces, everybody creates a bit more economic, hyper-targeted, hyper-localized, um, uh, you know, fun. Let's call it in the middle. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's almost the way it used to be. Exactly. Why can it not just go back to how it used to be? <laughs> old, no, no, things no. Are, old things are new again. Maybe, but the difference in this whole process is that we will notice that the issuance function is now distributed to many, many different companies. It's not uh, in the same way where there's a central government or a central bank or a central council issuing this money to people. It's actually based very commercially and soundly on sound principles of demand economics. The businesses issue if they have already received a proper sale, they issue this into, into supply and they back it by their own integrity, just like uh, just, just in a distributed way. Um, and because of this, if you had, for example, um, uh, let's say a, I won't say the word dollar, but let's say we had a pound, right? So if we had a pound in the middle, what's a pound backed by? What's a dollar backed by then? I'll, I'll, I'll ask you then, what is a dollar backed by? The Full faith and credit of the United States government. Which is backed by? I mean, if you don't accept these dollars, what's it backed by? At the end of the day, it's backed by somebody coming up to you and going, you know, mm. you know, it's violence right. that backs money, right? Accept this money because that's my money, right? So accept it. You know, that's the way it is. If you don't pay your bills, we, we come and put you in jail. It's At the end of the day, money is a 
it is has to be backed by something. And because there's no gold backing this money anymore, it's it, at the end of the day, it's backed by the 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 the, the military industrial machine that, that the printing of money can be used to back to enforce. So it's a, a big sort of a circular sort of thing. So you could ask yourself in terms of the flourishing of of humans and, and stuff, is that the way we want our futures to be? Right? Do we do we really want to be in a situation where we are, you know, oppressing people and forcing people into subjugation and all, all of this kind of stuff? Or do we just want to get on with it? You want to have you know your your family and enjoy uh, health and prosperity, and so does a guy in Africa and a guy in India and a guy in uh, the Philippines. Everyone wants the same thing. At the end of the day, nobody really wants to put their families or anybody in danger. So, can we create a money supply in a decentralized way or a currency supply in a decentralized way that would have a a community feeling over the money instead of a you know instead of a conqueror feeling over the money? I guess we're getting quite sort of. A, deep um, in, in, in terms of the subject matter. I didn't intend that. But uh, th there's a whole philosophical element to what money represents in terms of our daily interactions. Um, and I would rather give you money and you give me money that is a community-created money than I would rather give and trade within a currency that doesn't have that um, sort of aspect within itself. And And the same thing is true of both types of money or value transfer are exactly the same in terms of their function. The difference is we as a community need to decide that that function can be different. So um, if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin was the first um, sort of uh, giant concept here because it brought in the transaction, the, the issuance function of money being distributed to miners and various other things. But it fails in many ways, at least currently, because in terms of our current systems, um, nobody thinks in terms of Bitcoin, do they? Or the average person doesn't think in terms of Bitcoin. They still think in terms of dollars. That's how much my medicine costs or that's how much my my food costs. They, and so because of that, a shop can't accept something in Bitcoin because they might lose money tomorrow morning or, or you know, if some big guy sells, they're going to they're gonna lose money. And nobody wants to take that risk. So the idea of distributed money needs to be more connected with our normal common uh, daily experience, at least at, at, at this point. Um, and that can be done in reward programs. And, and that's kind of like uh, that that space that we play in on a day-to-day -day basis. Even though I'm not really talking about rewards, I'm talking about it from a higher level. Um, the reward function is where we can play with it to understand it and understand the dynamics of it. And so that's a, that's a passion of mine. And that, that, that is the why that is manifested from being young till, 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 till now being a little bit less than young. From that time when you were 17 years old, sitting under lemon trees in Jordan to where we are today. I love it. <laughs> Bish, thank you so much for coming out. Where can people learn more about you and your work and dive deeper into what you've just been talking about? So, yeah, you you are more than welcome to go to vow.foundation, which is uh, the, the foundation that operates here. And that's a website that tells you everything we're up to and what, what we're coming together and see if you'd like to get involved and, and, and support this idea in your own ways. Um, so if anyone's out there who wants to do that, they can do that. Uh, and then if they would like to check out the more reward program stuff, which is much more practical, um, you can do that at enigmaticsmile.com, where we're uh, onboarding millions and millions of consumers and uh, hundreds of thousands of businesses to to get involved, to be part of this. Excellent. Uh, exercise. <laughs> but thank you very much for inviting me on. Well, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure.
If you enjoyed this much as I did, show Bish your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to vow.foundation and check out everything that Bish has been talking about. And then also check out enigmaticsmile.com and dig a little bit deeper into the rewards side and program that Bish has been working on and see how you can get involved and educate yourself a little bit more on what we've been talking about. Thanks again, Bish. Awesome. All the best. Cheers, dude. Bye-bye. Bye. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.